Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mama's Pearls. I am your hostess, Cynthia, and today at Ma- and here at Mama's Pearls, we like to say that we take the most beautiful pieces of life and string them together. Now, I always try and figure out for myself what exactly that means. I love the saying, and week to week, I'm exploring new ways to, to express that to myself and to see what that means. And this week, I was thinking about how... Um, how if we are all one and we are all connected, then what I see us doing here with the Mama's Pearls community is exploring the ways in which that is so. Um, and there's many, there's many schools of thought that say just let it be and just understand that we're all one. But me being curious by nature wants to have answers to those questions and see exactly how it all strings together. So we start our week with, on Mama's Pearls, usually on Facebook and other social media outlooks. Um, outlets and we come up with a topic and we start exploring everything around that topic, what it means personally to us, what wisdom is already out there, what quotes are out there, what research is out there and then we follow it with the Mama's Pearls blog which is usually published on Tuesday, then the Mama's Pearls radio show which you're listening to right now and then my best friend Melissa Goldberg publishes M-Gems on Fridays, which is kind of like the practical takeaway um, and the practical side to my spiritual side of Mama's Pearl. So what I am excited to share with you and that I think I've mentioned before is that Mama's Pearls is now being featured on Brooke Brooks website, Modern Mom. So last week we had, um, we were talking about summer feasts and all the different ways to dine alfresco and connect with nature. And on the Mama's Pearls blog, which you can find at www.mamaspearls.com, basically it was, I could have gone on talking forever about about food because it's one of my favorite subjects besides my family and we're going to be talking about my third favorite subject which is film and movies and entertainment today and um, and you can kind of tell though on that blog it is a little it is it is a little long and I just kept going and going and going well I did a an edited and more concise version because I couldn't figure out like what to cut down for our community and I did a nice edited um, version of Summer Feast Dining Alfresco, which is now being featured on Modern Mom, and I have the link up on, on the website. So feel free to read both and let me know which one you prefer, if you prefer the extended version or if you prefer the concise version. And um, last week we had a wonderful show. It was called Summer's Feast, and the Pearl of the Week was Backyard Again Fun. And very special thanks to Lori Bornstein, who's become one of the Mom's Pearls girls and is a certified health and nutrition coach and founder of Life Intake. 
take. And she does um, she does counseling with people from a holistic perspective and really explores their theirs and their families' eating habits as well as their individual um, talents to see what properties to bring in through food. She and I both, we, <laughs> whenever we wind up talking, we wind up getting on the subject of food. And um, and she and I have many, many discussions about exploring our own individual life and lifestyles and what's going on health-wise with us and how to bring food in to help heal that. Now, there's so much pressure, it just seems, across the board, and everyone and everywhere is talking about childhood obesity and obesity in general in Americans. I think it's now with children, it's one, one in three. I mean, that's that's pretty much epidemic proportions that we're talking about um, are facing obesity or weight-related issues. And um, the, the real step to overcoming that is to regain a healthy relationship with food, reconnect with nature, and to, to understand yourself and your own process when it comes to food. I know I get definitely obsessed with certain things like Duncan Hines, um, and, you know, I can't get out of that and I just try and look at and Lori was really saying that when you're when your body's craving something, you know, note if it's the sugar or if it's something if, if there's another substitute that you can get that nutrients that your body's craving from. But we all have to listen to our bodies, take deep breaths, understand and reconnect with how the food is coming to our table and start in, enjoying the process again. I mean, I know so many moms it gets into it's something that you have to do three times a day plus and not only if you have to feed yourself but you're in charge of feeding your families and making sure that your kids are getting a healthy balance of nutrients and when you have picky eaters I have one picky eater and then I have my other one who'll eat anything and everything it's really really hard and can get very very frustrating um, in terms of in terms of how to manage everyone's everyone's diet in the family. And I think um, Melissa did a wonderful job last week with, with M. Shems, um, which was posted on Friday, as far as giving us sampling, sampling and, and really practical tips about um, getting back into our relationship with food and maintaining a healthy balance. And one of the things she said, which, which sort of cracked me up, but, but was really important was, was does your, would your grandmother recognize the foods that you're giving to your children? You know, foods over, over time and with technology and with all these artificial ingredients, you know, you can look at a label and there's 50 things of words that you can't pronounce. Like, would your, would your grandmother or great grandmother recognize it? Because back, Back in their day, food wasn't as as processed, and it didn't go through so many steps. It wasn't as um, as mass merchandised or mass manufactured as it is today. So, Melissa, are you actually on the line with us today? I am. Hello, my dear. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So, you want to just do um, do another quick wrap up of your M Shem from last week? Uh well, yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, last week's M Gems could have gone on and on. We both definitely were not short or having any kind of writer's block when it came to um, coming up with ideas and, and, and thoughts around the topic of food, which is a no-brainer because it's about food. But um, <laughs> but the more I started writing, the more it, 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 I'm not alone with um, that seesaw of trying to juggle the balance of, you know, trying to 
you don't want to keep it away from your children. You want them to enjoy and have a little bit of indulgence. But at the same time, you want to try to promote healthy food lifestyles. So um, it's, it's just a constant on-your-mind topic. And so I thought last week was fun. Yes, I want to also know that that's not an original quote. That comes from Michael Pollan from his book, um, The Omnivore's Dilemma, where he talks about all the processed food. And my favorite is yogurt that makes you poop. <laughs> You know, do we really need that or should we just be drinking more water and eating better food so that our body naturally poops? So, um, right. And then that kind right. of thing. I thought also going with that in and of itself is a whole exploratory topic. I know for me, adding probiotics and yogurt that makes me poop to my diet has definitely helped my digestive tract, but it's probably because I was lacking in, in other sorts of basic basic nutrients or, you know, I mean, we all, we all think that food is simple, but there is a, is a science and a whole, whole world around it, but um, does it need to be so complicated? Yeah. One of the gems I thought, I didn't add it, but it was, again, we, didn't, we could have gone on, was to, do, to reintroduce stuff. I, this week, the last couple of weeks have been great. You know, for some reason, my kids were not into carrots, whether they were cooked or raw in any kind of size or shape, but um, I just kept, I keep reintroducing it. I go back there, and this time I cut them into these little nickel-sized slivers, and all of a sudden that's like their favorite snack. So um, just because they reject something, we have to not give up on them. We have to keep going back and trying it again. So yeah, um, I, I keep working on Colby, and I'm 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 hoping one of these days he'll actually come around. Um, one of the other things that Lori was was saying, and then we're going to kind of segue into this week, is that she was basically talking about Ayurvedic principles and how the body's natural cycle is is made to match up with the elements around us, and Ayurvedic principles of eating is really around eating seasonal foods. And in the summertime, when it's really hot in your climate, um, our natural tendencies are go to towards um, cooling foods, and when it's and when it's cooler outside in the winter, our natural tendencies and body is to be programmed to eat more heating food. So we talk about that all on last week's show. Again, it's called Summer's Feast. Feel free to find it in the archives at blogtalkradio.com slash mamaspearls. You can now also purchase transcripts through Blog Talk Radio. And again, we have the blogs online. Now, one of the things Melissa and I love is to receive comments and feedback from our community about what's on your mind, what your top, what your topics of interest are, what your questions are, and what your feelings are, are around what we're talking about, and just what's going on in your own family. So feel free to touch base with either Melissa or I about that. Um, you can email me at Cynthia at MamasPearls.com, and again, it's M O M M A S P E A R L S dot com, or Melissa at MamasPearls dot com. You can find us on Twitter at Cintweet C Y N T W E E T. And um, if you want to call in today, we have a very, very special guest I'm excited to introduce to you all in a moment. Our call number is 
347-327-9450. Now, this week, this month, actually, we've been really focusing on summer and what it means to us and all the different activities that we, we love to enjoy. And we'd like to take it a little bit leisure. We like to go on a little bit of a trip. We obviously like to eat. Now, the other things that we absolutely love to do is be entertained. And while we're so focused on monitoring what we put in our kids' mouths, you know, oftentimes you make a concession when you do have a night out at the movies because who can resist the popcorn and who can resist plain M&Ms? I can't. And, um, you know, this is something that's part of our of our fare. But as, as much as we are responsible for monitoring what actually goes inside our children's bodies in the form of food, we're also responsible for being a monitor of what is going and being absorbed by a children's other senses, visual, auditory, and what their experiences are with media. Our relationship with media, if you're like me, starts practically from from the womb when your parents are singing to you and you're told that you should be listening to, you know, pregnant women should be listening to classical music and so on and so forth. And our love affair never ends, as far as I'm concerned, with media and the culture and the arts and music and theater and dance. And um, I don't know how people do it where they don't have TVs because I'm definitely somebody who's plugged into the media matrix, you know, aside from being an avid fan of entertainment. I also do work in the entertainment industry as an entertainment lawyer. Granted, I try and keep my practice based on spiritual entertainment and entertainment and projects that I feel um, a heartstring connection towards and can get stand behind. But when it comes to family fair, I notice how our, our our sensitivities differ from when we're going to watch a show or a movie as an adult or a night out with the girls or before you had children to when you're bringing children into the process and um, introducing them to a whole new world which you may have had the chance to peek ahead. And in the blog, I basically call it the new MPAA authority, which is Mother's Peek Ahead Association. Not many of us actually get a chance to pre-screen movies that we go on trust by the companies who are making it or the companies who endorse it or the filmmakers behind it that we're going to bring our children into, into the movies and it's going to be an appropriate experience for them. Children, when they're, when they're young, they don't have as many filters. And I know from watching my kids in the films, especially my son, I mean, he is in film. When, whenever he's watching, he is in it. If it's action, and particularly with Star Wars, he's right there along with his, his, his light, lightsaber. He is a Jedi Knight. He's right in the action. He's getting all revved up to go and shoot the droids, which we do like a, now a nightly game in my house of shooting the droids before we go to sleep. And I think it's probably a delay tactic but that's a whole other story and a whole other topic. But what I notice is him being so open to whatever it is he's watching on that big magic magic box or that big magic screen, 
you know, I'm ultimately responsible for how it's being processed for him and whether it's appropriate. And yes, I don't necessarily think Star Wars is appropriate for, for, for a four-year-old, but I'm going to totally punt that one and blame my husband, who is completely obsessed with Star Wars and has been since he was six years old for dragging my, my son into this whole world. So um, I really had no no choice. But luckily for most parents out there, there are organizations and there are there are people that we can go to and look towards for guidance as far as monitoring the whole spectrum of the media. And I'm going to encourage people to also go back into the archives for both the blog and the radio show and re revisit our um, our show and topic called In Tune because this is another pearl on that this strand of pearls that we're talking about with media and the media diet for children. And on that show we had my friend and special guest Kathy Buck and we really talked about the archetypal um, embodiments and stories and personalities that our children wrestle with when they are on their Star Wars warrior journey. And it's a very interesting, um, interesting supplement to today's show. Now, our special guest today is Ms. Randy Levy, who is um, who founded in 1991 Kids First, which is a program of the Coalition for Quality Children's Media. And I met her way back when, when um, through the Spiritual Cinema Circle, which is a company I co-founded, we did a one-off shoot compilation for the Kids Cinema Circle, and it was with with Kids Films, and um, and we received an endorsement from from Kids First, and you know it was the first time it was before I had children, and I've come to since realize and really appreciate that kids the work that Kids First does in maintaining a healthy healthy relationship and helping families navigate the the most overwhelming and bombarding terrain of um, of the entertainment spectrum, which continues to widen, and it's really hard to to gain those filters. So this week, obviously, we're we're celebrating Mama's Pearl style, our own film festival, and the pearl of the week is emotion captured, basically because of the emotional experience that a film or or any form of media can take you on. And I'm really excited to introduce you all to Rani to really, um, if you haven't heard of Kids First to become acquainted with this organization and the many things that they do, which is aside from from reviewing content all across the spectrum from short films to TV shows to films and documentaries and label it whether it's by it's by they break it down by age as well as as well as genre and actually um, they also host their own film festivals that bring these films all around the country. So Randy, are you with, are you with us? I'm with you. Hi, Rani. Welcome to Mama's Pearls. Cynthia, I'm so delighted to be here. Uh, I, I've been listening to your conversation this morning. And, um, you know, there's so many things to me about media that are so similar to food. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We always promote the idea that, uh, you know, one of the key outcomes of the work that we do with children and with parents is to promote a healthy media lifestyle so that the media that children ingest is beneficial to them, not detrimental. Right. 
And, and right. I say the, the kids and parents um, because in our training program, uh, you know, we will begin our 20th year next month. Can you believe it? That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. It's uh, it's been an interesting passage of time, but 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 from the get go, we've been involved in educating children to be critical media users, and um, we really found that uh, oftentimes that we have to really educate the parents as well. Right. You know, some right. parents so will be very concerned and very involved in selecting the appropriate programming for their children, and others will just kind of let them watch anything. I, I remember once getting a phone call from a, uh, uh, a writer from the Dallas Morning News uh, asking me uh, what I thought of a parent who brought a five-year-old in to see Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was and your said, response? I said, I think it borders on child abuse. You know, I mean, the idea that a child is too young to understand what's going on has been disproved many, many times by the um, people who are researchers in the field. And, uh, you know, the, the images that they see on the screen and the words that they hear do affect them from a very early age. <clears throat> Yeah, and it's true. I mean, they are the – what do you see? Because I want to talk about both, like, the, the positive and the negative effects of media with children and child development mm -hmm. and and really going into maintaining a healthy media lifestyle and media diet with our children. So, you know, when we're starting with the negative, we let's, let's kind of go through that process first, and then we'll kind of come out to the positive. So you know where I see it, from, where I see it from, you know, since you since you went there and brought up science, Silence of the Lambs, let's just stay there and we'll kind of petrify our audience and then we'll kind of we'll kind of ease them out. So um, you know when you say that it, it borders on on child abuse, you know the the reason why I I can kind of see where you, what you're saying is that they are so affected and when you're when you're seeing such violent and um, and dark the darker side of life being in your face, and I know that I've caught many of my first glimpses of the darker side of domestic violence, of abusive situations, of alcohol, alcoholism, of drugs, you know, way before I probably should have been exposed to them and way before it, um, the topics would have come up in real life, whether through school, whether through friends' personal experiences. And when you're struck with that, I mean, I remember seeing the color purple when I was way too young to really see and understand it and being emotionally just completely put through the ringer through that film. And, you know, that struck a deep chord in me as far as the darker side of humanity, but it also struck another chord in me as far as, you know, the power of of the media. And it's one, one of the films that really inspired me to, to pursue, you know, and explore what, what is it about the media that has such a powerful effect and really affected me so deeply. Well, um, one of the things, one of the belief systems that we uh, implement at Kids First is the idea that not all children's films are appropriate for all children. Mm -hmm. And it, it kind of tunes into what you're saying about the color purple, which I don't know how old were you were when you saw that, but I'm guessing right. maybe 
under 10, definitely, right? Yeah, whenever, whenever, I don't remember when it came out, but whenever it came out, I remember seeing it in the theater, so I was definitely uh-huh. young. Okay. Um, you know, there's, there's yeah. some very scary images and ideas there that a child, I'm going to say under the age of 10, uh, would not be prepared to handle. Um, that doesn't mean that it's not a good film. It doesn't mean that it's not a film that is appropriate for 13 to 18-year-olds. Right. And um, I think it's important for parents to think about uh, the appropriateness of a film for the particular age of child, and, and not just for the age, but also for the sensitivity of the child who's going to see it. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, um, one of my board members had stopped in to pick up some films to play for some little uh, girls that she was uh, watching that day, and I gave her some of the preschool titles that we were currently evaluating. And she came back a couple of days later, and she said, you know, that one title, and forgive me, but I don't remember the name of it. And these were things that normally you would think would be appropriate for two- to five-year-olds, and this little girl, I think, was three or four. But she said that one film had this very scary scene for uh, Amanda, I think was the girl's name. It had this black hole in the ground that was kind of a mysterious place that went to nowhere and she said she was terrified of that mm-hmm. so you know i mean it wasn't even a scary critter or a scary scene but simply it's something as simple as a black hole mm-hmm. now would mm-hmm. i not recommend that to any two to five year old no but in our reviews and our evaluations that we do with kids first um, we don't just give it an approval or rejection, but we also give it an age recommendation. And we also have comments that we put on our website, which are available for free to anybody, from both our adult jurors and our child jurors. So we would point out with something like that, one little three or four, I'm going to say four-year-old girl was particularly, found a particular scene scary for her. And that way, if you're a parent and you know that your child has a propensity to be fearful of certain things, you'd look at that and you'd go, well, that's probably not the right title for her. Right. And I, I think that the the part that's tricky, though, with parents is that a lot of times you won't, you don't have that crystal ball to know what they're going to be afraid of until they become afraid of something. Um, you know, my son is, he's more, he really doesn't like it, like, when the the heroes of the story, like, if they get picked on or beat up or if they're separated from from their mommy or something like that, like, that really is his sensitivity. He'll, he'll lose it, um, you know, and then I have to be like, no, he's okay, and look, he's coming back, and I have to kind of talk him through it. But a lot of times, some of the things that they get frightened by is surprising to me. So I kind of see it as, um, you know, you can do as much preparation as you can. And I think the idea that, that Kids First 
reviews the the films by and has parents and adults review the films as well as children is is pretty brilliant because obviously you know a, a, an adult's mind is not the same as a child's mind and you want that child's um, opinion and and view of the film. However, it's really and I think the age recommendations is appropriate and can tie into you know your overall developmental process of a child, but it but it's really hard to know. So do you also give tools um, or recommendations for how to deal like when your child does get affected? Besides locking me up for child abuse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we'd ever end up in the child abuse locker. You know, it's funny that, that you that you say what one thing that you don't know until your child knows. I mean, the one thing that I have learned in almost 20 years of doing this is that I'm not a child. <laughs> Right. You know, so right. many times, and, and this is why we invented this jury system uh, that employs groups of children and adults, because an adult point of view is just that. And um, prior to starting Kids First, I would sit on juries at film festivals in different places, and I'd hear adults discuss a film, and ultimately they would get to the end, they go, but I wonder what a child would think. And I was young and innocent enough at that time to go, well, why don't we have kids on the jury? They'd look at me like I was absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, in answer to your question, do we give some tips about uh, what to do when the child is frightened um, or or upset by what they say? Not necessarily. Uh, what, we, what we do do is encourage co-viewing, and we encourage uh, active viewing. So... Um, Co-viewing is is just simply a matter of watching a program with your child. And I I think this is particularly important uh, with, say, television, that a lot of parents will let their kids sit down and and watch television on a Saturday morning or during their certain number of allotted hours during the week, but they don't really know what the child is watching. And I think if you're going to um, be a conscientious parent, sit down at least and watch one or two episodes of a particular show that your kid is going to watch to know what the sensibilities of the show are about. And, you know, you don't have to watch every single time. I understand that part of the the joy of, of media is it gives parents a little bit of time off to go wash their hair or, you know, take care of their own needs. But, um, you know, I think sometimes parents give up uh, the television or or screen time, as we refer to it now, because it's not just television. It's the computer. It's your iPhone. It's, you know, any screen that the child is watching um, without being aware of what the child is, is looking at. Um, for example, I, I have two grandchildren, and, and my um, my youngest, when he was, um, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago, maybe six or, or seven, was playing a video game. And I said, what are you playing, honey? And he goes, this is not something that you would like, Granny Ranny. <laughs> <laughs> Granny Ranny. <laughs> so he know he knows your sensitivities exactly. That's they know so that this funny. would not be Granny Ranny recommended. <laughs> and That's really funny. Um, it, um, I know. And so I said, "Well, let me see. Why would that not be? Well, because I'm you know chasing people and killing them. 
which he's absolutely right. That's not part of my sensibility. I wouldn't want, let him watch that if, if it was my choice to do. So um, I've counteracted by, find, by finding equally fun games for him to play that don't involve the hunting and killing aspect. Mike what? Um, you know what? I have one. Cause I, I could use a few of those with my son because he's very much into the hunting and killing the droids. That's our game. Oh, I know. He's my little hard. warrior. It really is. Yeah, well, he's my warrior, but I, but yeah, but I also when when Kathy was on, she was really talking about like the ar- archetypal and really ancient um, innate sensibility of men to have that warrior instinct. You know that they were the hunters. I mean, it was really interesting to hear. I mean, do I necessarily want my son going around and shooting and and wrestling other people? No, but um, you know, and, and and handling guns and seeing anything sort of violence going into being a mom before I had Colby, and even when I was pregnant with him, was something I thought it would be absolutely one hundred percent off limits. Right. And as you know, as right. I said, like I, you know, I kind of had to give down that bo- that I've had to let that battle go because you know, even though he didn't have water guns or he didn't have his you know mega Jedi blaster, which my dad bought him, thank you, Dad. Um, he was making guns <laughs> out of and out of anything and everything. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it was like it yep, was yep. I was not going to circumvent that issue or put down my parental control because I really had no control for his instinct to want to go out and, you know, make guns. And, you know, not to make a big deal about it, but I think just steering them in other directions is, is sometimes the easiest yeah. solution. Here's a couple of apps that I have on my iPhone. Yeah, I want to hear that, that game. That I let um, Aiden play with. One is MX Mayhem, which is a motocross game, and it's very hard. <laughs> Okay, I'm saying that. There's probably people out there going, oh, this woman's a lightweight. Um, you know, on your <laughs> iPhone, you, <laughs> you, have to, you have to tilt it in different ways in order to, the, to prevent the guy who's riding the, um, uh, the bike not to crash all the time. I have not even gotten beyond level one on this. This is, right, you know, but, e- but even the crashing, some other some other moms would say that that's a sensitivity and geared towards violence. Like I just feel like there's there's that's no true. escaping. But it's not it, hunting you know, and killing. Aren't... You know, right, there's that's a difference. True. It's not hunting. Another one is uh, Doodle Jump, and that's a fun game. It's a it's a little. Uh, it's actually I think one of the best. Um, selling games on iPhones. Or I, I think it's actually a free app, but um, what can I say, highest usage on iPhones. And then the third one is uh, Stick Skater. Those are our three favorites right now. Mm-hmm. But I also and have ha- downloaded... And how, old, how, how old is he? How old is Aiden? How he's nine. Yeah. Nine. 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 Okay, nine. so that's, so a, that's a little older. But, you know, I play with my... Uh, my um, Boyfriend, six-year-old, enjoys these three same games as well. Okay. So, uh, and then I've also downloaded a bunch of educational apps that we use as well. I mean, that was my starting point on the iPhone because I tutor my grandson one afternoon a week. And um, so I downloaded a bunch of uh, apps. You know, one that I found particularly useful and I'm not going to be able to find the name of it right now, is uh, one that teaches you how to 
make your letters. It teaches you penmanship. And mm-hmm. it was invented by a colleague of mine at the uh, New Mexico State University. Uh, and I found out about it because I was talking to her. I started tutoring my grandson because he was behind in school. He had a lot of um, ear infections when he was younger. And you know what? If you can't hear, learning to right. read and write learn. is very hard because you can't differentiate right. like between the TH and the CH sound. And so right. consequently, I got involved in tutoring him. One of the things I noticed is that he didn't know how to make his letters properly, you know, just Palmer method of, of letter writing. And I was talking to her, and she said, absolutely. She said uh, she has a four-year-old who had the same problem. So they invented this app for the iPhone that um, the child draws the letter, and it tells you if you're doing it wrong. Simple That's things awesome. like that. Yeah, I well, think it's, it's amazing. It's, ama- it's amazing how um, how you know going from talking to the big screen to the TV screen, and now we're talking about like the phone screens and the evolution of the distribution of of multimedia content is just it's just beginning. You know, with every new technology, the the studios, and we're going to find ways to get media on there. So, you know, Absolutely. it's an even trickier yep. landscape for, for parents to navigate as the world and the spectrum of technology widens. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. one of the things that, that you said that, that I wanted to um, re-mention was, you know, when you sit down with your children to to kind of pre-screen the, what they're watching, you know, the good news is with the, the kids' TV channels is that they generally run the same episode over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Correct. So yeah. when you've seen, you know, when you've seen, like, six new Dora the Explorer or Backyardigans or um, Sesame Streets, you know, that's probably like the cycle for a couple of weeks. Uh-huh. So you should be rest assured that once you understand like the the flow of the content for a particular show, it's pretty much um, it's pretty much the the same general format. And um, and I'm hoping in um, September when we kind of transition, and I can't believe we're already talking about September and, and back to school. But I really feel like you know it's the around the corner. Know, it's around the corner, but it's also when all the 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 networks kind of refresh their cycles and true. bring yeah, back true. bring yeah. back television. So the kids are going back to school and they're getting back into the work mode, and they're also getting back into their regular you know TV shows that they watch. So um, you know, and I'm hoping to have a couple of of, of women who um, have founded certain certain. Um, certain shows, which I don't want to say until I have them booked on the show, come back in and really talk about like their formula for the shows. Now, you know, that's one of the things that I that I like about these children's channels and we're having it on demand is that you can play the same episodes and you kind of get familiar with the characters and who they're and who they're learning from and who they're exposed to. Now, I want to focus more on now that we kind of explored the dark side, going back into the force of the um, of the positive side of film and why why you're so personally connected and and working in the media space and with children. Well, um, it's it's I think it's it's something that we have to recognize that uh, is definitely um, an important part of children's learning experience. 
today, whether mm-hmm. it be a negative experience or a positive. And you're right, we do focus on the positive. Everything that gets a Kids First endorsement has been reviewed, as I said, by a jury of adults and children. It's met our baseline criteria, which is no gratuitous violence or abuse, no inappropriate sexual behavior, no bias in terms of race, gender, culture, religion, no condescension toward children, and no replicable unsafe behavior. And I remember once years ago when I was um, talking to somebody about that, they looked at me like with a blank face and said, so what do you endorse besides Sesame Street? Right. As if, right, and that's the one what, thing I'm what, amazed. Everything else, yeah, you know, what else is yeah. there out there? But, I mean, we have endorsed over 5,000 um, films, television shows, video games, and audio CDs to date. Yeah, and that's one thing so, that I think is really cool that Melissa and I were looking at your website yesterday is uh-huh. just of all the different things that we've never heard of, you know, both on the indie scene and short films and documentaries. Like there really is so much content out there, and uh-huh. you know, and is is that why you also do the festivals? Well, um, the festivals kind of came out of our kids' jury. Uh, I had been told for many, many years not to do a festival because film festivals always lose money. And um, I think one of the I could have told you that. (laughs) (laughs) One of the secrets of staying in business is to not lose money. You know, I mean, being a not nonprofit organization, which we are, isn't really a business plan. It's simply a tax status. You know. Right. And uh, so we stayed away from it, and then our children's uh, on our children's jury started saying, you know, my friends want to see some of the things that I'm reviewing. Uh, right. How can they do that? And and uh, especially with the independent films uh, and the independent short films, there wasn't an easy answer to that. That was before we had download and streaming and and all of that stuff readily available. To us, and so we started the film festival in 2000 um, in Santa Fe, and uh, where we're based, uh, and it was a huge success from the get-go. I mean, fr- at the first time that we had any advertising show up in the paper, we had people calling the office who had never heard of us before, and they were thrilled that we were doing this event because we started with programming by age for two-year-old, two to five-year-olds, five to eight-year-olds, eight to twelve. And they said, I love you. My staff was so happy. They were saving all the messages because everybody was so thrilled about it. And then we started getting calls from other venues around the country saying, you know, I've been watching what you're doing on your website, and we'd really like to bring the film festival here. So the first year we took it to the Virgin Islands, to St. Thomas, St. John, and St. Croix. And um, that was a, a tough festival, Cynthia. I had to go with it. <laughs> yeah, rough, rough, <laughs> rough choice there. I know. That was sad to say. Uh, yeah. So, but Poor from thing. there, we've we've grown, and we now um, partner with about 150 venues all over the country, primarily in the U.S., a couple of international ones, but. Um, we work with established film festivals. We work with children's museums, art museums with children's programs, community centers, film societies, 
all types of community organizations, including large uh, public libraries that have they have to have appropriate screening venues. And we screen films year-round. We will have this year about 10,000 individual screenings of That's films amazing. from not just from independent producers, but also we show major studio productions, um, and we have a whole collection of uh, student-produced films that we play as well. So throughout the year, we will select um, about 300 films that we put in the film festival, 75 a quarter. We change our programming quarterly. And for an independent filmmaker, I mean, you know this from Cinema Circle. I mean, mm -hmm. the most important thing is getting that exposure to have their film played. They don't benefit monetarily from it, and, and neither, neither do we. I mean, the program pays for itself. Everybody pays a little bit, but... You know, we're a nonprofit. We only make enough money revenue to cover the expense of, of creating the program. Um, but uh, the the festival is in its tenth year this year, and we essentially are an offsite curator for all of these different venues. Right. Right. And I should mention so, to your listeners that anybody uh, that wants to host a film festival in their community should contact us. Our website is. Uh, kidsfirst.org, www.kidsfirst.org. That's awesome. So so how do you keep track? I mean, is all the information about where you're playing in all these different venues online? Because how I came across it was I was just passing by a theater one day and saw a kid, you know, Kids First Film Festival. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, you know, so how do I keep keep track about where you're going to be? Um, it's all on our website. Uh, if you go to our home page, there's a... Um, uh, let's see, there's a button that says Film Festivals, a big pink button on the upper left-hand side. <laughs> and if you click on that, um, it will take you to a page about the festival, and uh, it has a link through to all of the venues that are uh, currently playing films in the festival and, and who's playing what. Very cool. So, okay, so Kids First has been around for about 20 years. Your film festival has been around for 10 years. Can you tell us a little bit about your new baby that that you're doing with the, the films, um, the camp? Oh, I sure can. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> yeah, this is, um, we've, we've launched a two-part program for our kids film critics. And uh, what we're doing is uh, we, we just started a three-month search to find five children nationwide to become official Kids First film critics. And the winners of that competition will serve for a year. They will be sent to red carpet events. They'll interview celebrities in person online. They'll write reviews and blogs about new films and you know they're they're we're we're going to make them little mini um film critic celebrities uh i say we're looking for the next uh siskel and eberts so okay yeah so <laughs> all 
All right. That's so the there's a few. There's a few. Yeah, that's awesome because there's there's a few things. I mean, one again, it's hearing it's hearing from your peers, and it's hearing from from the perspective of a child, which I love. And um, you know, and the and there's been a lot of discussion lately about the profession of film critics um, and restaurant critics. That that is kind of a dying breed because everybody's a film critic, and everybody with the blog who's doing a review suddenly becomes the film the film critic and who are we really listening to as the ultimate authority. So I love the idea of rallying around, rallying behind um, the ultimate audience, which is the children and kind of getting and honing their skills. And I think, don't you do also like um, a, can you talk a little bit more about the critical thinking training that you were talking about being like a critical viewer of films? Because I think that's really like yeah. a, a cool piece. Well, and this really ties in um, yeah. to this program. Uh, we have five official titles in the search campaign. So in order for a kid to enter, they need to review one or more of those titles. Um, they're all on our website. It's Tom and Jerry Meet Sherlock Holmes, Diary of a Wimpy <laughs> Kid, Furry Vengeance, The Twilight Saga, New Moon, which is 413 and up, uh, Secret right. of Moonacre, Jumping for Joy, and The Belvedere Rabbit. Um, so on our website, uh, if you go to kidsfirst.org and click through the, bu the big button on the home page that says enter the Kids First Film Critics Search If you Just click on that big button. It takes you to the landing page for the what we call the Film Critics Campaign. And the titles are listed on the right-hand side. If you click through to any one of the titles, it takes you to a detail page. For example, I'm going to Diary of Wimpy Kid right now. Uh, on that detail page, it'll give the synopsis of the film. And if you scroll down, it will take you to a discussion guide of the film. We've tried to give the kids as many resources as possible so everybody has a winning experience for writing this review. We're not just saying, what did you think of it? You know, we're, get, we're coaching them a little bit, which is exactly what we do in our film critics training. So um, when you click through to the full discussion guide, um, it has kind of uh, a summary of the film, and then it, it, it has little helpful questions that, or statements that leave in, into the question. For example, on Wimpy Kid, I'll just read the first one. 12-year-old Greg Hefley is anxious to start middle school, confident he will easily become the school's most popular kid. However, Greg worries about how his uncool friend, best friend, Raleigh Jefferson, will fit in. While Raleigh is a good friend who helps Greg escape his terrorizing older brother, Roderick, Greg worries that Raleigh's dorky clothes and personality will embarrass both of them. Here's the question. Greg thinks that middle school is the worst idea ever invented. Why? What is he, what is he most afraid of? Talk about how the bullies are represented in this film and compare it with your own experience with bullies. Right. Right. And that in and of itself... You know, I mean, you talk you talk about each child's sensitivity. Mm -hmm. You know, that could definitely tap into such a chord with children. You know, bullying is such a huge issue um, is. and yep. concern yep. among among parents and and obviously around kids. And um, the thing that's hard to judge is, you know, dating back to my my experience with color purple. My sensitivities were around. Um, 
discrimination and abuses, abusiveness, and you know any any experience that I would see with my friends or myself experiencing that would hit me harder than you know being bullied or you know or or actually it was tied into being bullied, but of something of something else. So um, I could I could really see how you know through even your your film critics. Um, training with the kids that you're doing and the exercises that you do with the discussion guides, it's really a learning tool and an insightful way for parents to peer into their psyche of their children and get to know their children's sensitivity better, which is one thing I see is like such a such a pure positive experience, even though what you're tapping into may be a little bit scary and a little bit dark, you know, the, the you know. Um, well, it, it's true. I, I was talking to one of our filmmakers the other day who has two children ages seven and nine, and I said, uh, are your kids going to enter the competition? He goes, you know, Randy, my kids are so painfully shy. I, I just don't think this is the right thing for them. I said, well, I understand. Right. I said, you know, but there's other reasons to enter besides winning. <laughs> I said, you know, right. and he goes, all right, talk to me about it. I said, well, first of all, it is an educational experience. You know, right. I mean, I said, we've had some really good people work on the discussion guides and come up with some very thought-provoking questions. So it's a good opportunity to have a dialogue with your child about a film or two. And he goes, okay, that's a good reason. I said, and the second reason is there is a $10,000 scholarship at State Care. <laughs> and he goes, all right, we're entering. <laughs> right. But one of, our, the- one of our producers, the producer of the Velveteen Rabbit, has offered a $10,000 scholarship to the child who writes, and that's writes, uh, the written review for the Velveteen Rabbit, which is their title. Right, and that doesn't. And a review can be objective. That doesn't necessarily mean that they have to totally have a positive, glowing review to get the ten thousand dollars. It's that's true. However, I I do recommend. We do highly recommend that that um, the kids stick with within the titles that are recommended for their age group. For example, I had one of my board members wanted her child to review the Velveteen Rabbit, and he's twelve. And I said, you know, he's really too old for it. And I don't think he's going to particularly, oh, no, I think he'll like it. So I sent it. He hated it, you know, thought it was too juvenile. And I'm like, right. my point indeed. So, you know, I mean, right. I think it is important, just like when you're going to the movies, to select something that's within your kid's age group. And if and because if it's too old for them, for example, like the Twilight Saga, we really recommend for older kids, 13 and up, um, the younger kids shouldn't be watching it. It has, you know, themes right. that are more mature than than they're going to relate to. Can I control that? No, you know. And are there some 12-year-olds who can watch it? it that's appropriate, yes. But, you know, it is a PG-rated film. The other thing that's important to realize is that in the competition part of this campaign, they're going to be submitting both a written review and then a videotape review because we are looking for kids who can be on camera. Right. So right. No, I, yeah, and I got that from from you also that part of it and and kind of winning the Miss America pageant with winning winning this winning this um competition is then having to go and make appearances and um red carpet events and that kind of stuff. So Right. 
Right. So yeah, so your, your child yeah. definitely has to be be into it and be a film lover and you know and into this entertainment space, you know. And, exactly. Um, but that doesn't mean you know for the Velveteen Rabbit and for the scholarship, it's based only on a written review. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, that's very that's very cool. Yeah. That's yeah, very so, cool. You know, because not every kid is going to be comfortable on camera, and not every parent is going to want their kid going off to L.A. to be on the red carpet, although some of them can't wait. So, And then the, uh, the other part of this campaign is um, the culmination weekend, or our grand finale, as we call it. It's the second weekend of November, which we've declared Kids First Film Critics Weekend, and we are trying to set a world's record of having one million kids viewing and reviewing the same film on the same weekend, that weekend. And and the film is The Velveteen Rabbit. So actually reviews that have come in prior to that will count for that as well. But that's the culmination weekend where we're trying to get everybody on board at that last weekend. We have so what, is, what is your age recommendation for The Velveteen Rabbit? Six to ten. Okay. <clears throat> Okay. And cool. yes, parents can help their six-year-old write that review. I mean, you can't tell them what to think or what to say, but you can type it in. Right. Exactly. If they talk about it. Right. Right. So that is very, very cool, and I think that this has been a really helpful construct and guide for parents to um, become better acquainted with the different tools available um, and different entertainment out there that would be appropriate for their children as far as, you know, I think the, the film festival program that you do is just it's just brilliant and um, definitely for parents to, to look for that out um, in a venue by by them, or if it's not there, perhaps suggested to the venue that they um, that they start their own own um, offshoot of it. So um, I do want to wrap up the substantive portion of the show today because I always end with my come tell mama questions. But I just wanted to know, Rani, if there was anything else that you wanted to put out into the space. We know that we can find Kids First International at um, www.kidsfirst.org. Um, but is there anything else that you wanted to, to tie up about the organization and your work? Um, not really. I, I just, uh, you know, I hope that people will get, you know, get excited about it and, and take action. I mean, we're starting to see reviews uh, coming in from the kids. Um, you know what? I should say that we do have the support of this program from some major national groups, which a lot of your listeners are going to be um, familiar with. The Teachers Union, the National Education Association, is supporting this. The uh, National Association of Elementary School Principals is supporting this, and the National Council of Women's Organization, which is a coalition of about 250 large women's organizations, everything from the Girl Scouts, um, YWCA, to the Hadassah League. And, um, you know, we have been uh, working since the beginning of the year to contact those groups and get their um, their their blessings for for the program, so to speak, right. because when we know that we when we talk to school principals about getting their school involved, when we say the NAESP and the NEA have supported this, that that bears 
credence with them because basically those groups have to vet a project like this, uh, and they look at it very thoroughly before they give their stamp of approval. And, and so for a principal to know that we've been through that process means that they can be assured that we're legitimate, I guess. Absolutely. Very, very cool. And I see, you know, having those backers definitely speak volumes. And, you know, one thing that, that I did just want to put out into the space about film and the viewing experience as families is that film does create a multi-generational experience. Um, and the, the beautiful thing about film and, and shows is that it's captured forever um, in the same space and time in which it was, it was shot. So in a way, films have become a way to immortalize things and immortalize people and characters. And it's something that once it's imprinted into your family's mind and your children's mind, it's something that you can carry with you forever as part of a shared experience. So as part of that experience, you want to keep it to keep it positive. Um, and when it does skew into the darker side um, and your children do get scared or to find ways to get to know your children a little bit better and help them work through work through their fears. And whatever holdbacks that they might have, and like Randy was saying, to have more of a co-viewing conscious relationship with your children around media. So thank you, Randy, so much for, for being with us today and for sharing information about um, about Kids First, which again is an organization that, I, that I've come to, to know and love. And um, before I let you go, I do want to ask you my, my standard Come Tell Mama questions. So I uh -huh. hope you're up for it, because okay. um, we're going to we're going to peer a little bit into into your psyche, um, but don't be scared. <laughs> I'll walk you through it. It's it's age it's age appropriate. I promise. You're not going to lock me up. And it's been up? vetted. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. I won't toss you away. Okay. So all right. So with you being busy and. and Inc. And, and at the at the reins of this organization that's doing such wonderful work in the world, where do you find time and what do you do for your luxury indulgence? Uh, well, you know, I think you uh, you have to make time. It reminds me of a, my mentor who raised seven children, and somebody once said to her, how do, you, how do you divide your love between all those children? She looked at them and she said, well, I don't. I multiply it. <laughs> it expands. And, and I think the same thing is true about time. You just, have, you, know, you just have to make time for yourself to do the things that you love and enjoy. I'm leaving the day after tomorrow for Hawaii for two weeks um, nice. for a vacation. Somebody said to me yesterday, I can't believe you're doing this in the middle of a campaign. I said, you know what? I've been working on this campaign since last December. It's right. launched. It's going. Um, I'll be on my computer twice a day, but you know, if you don't take time to get away and do things for yourself, life just slips away, and you wonder what happened to it. Exactly. So, what is your luxury indulgence? Just that, I guess, traveling. I love to travel. I love going places and uh, visiting new places. Uh, I love how when you travel, you're talking and meeting people who don't know you, who don't have a history for you, you find out who you are as perceived by the world in a very raw environment. Nobody has any preconceived, you know, it's not like running into old friends who walk up and hug you. 
you get a sense of how how you are in the world at that moment. Hmm. That's very, very cool. And one of the things I love about film is being able to introduce new worlds and new culture. I mean, it's not the same as, as, as actually going and and experiencing it firsthand and in a 4D experience, but it's one of the things I, I do love about the power of film is to be able to transport you into any any place in time. Um, okay, so next question. It's a little more personal. Which of the following would you prefer? The best sex of your life, the best meal of your life, or the best sleep of your life? Oh, I'd go with number one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, we are on a roll lately with this question. Okay. <laughs> okay. So your personal favorite, what is your favorite movie genre? Comedy, romance? Um, you know what? I, I have to say that it's... Um, uh, it's probably I love um, um, I don't know what let's see what did I call it the other day it's these uh, the films like Ocean's Eleven where they're stealing something <laughs> I don't know why I so like kind that. of like it's, it's kind of action adventure but it's not killing people right. it's the cleverness involved in in the grand theft. So like also um, sneakers. Do you remember that it's movie? Like my Robert favorite Redford? television show is Leverage. Hmm, do you know that show with yes, Timothy I do. Hutton? Yeah. You know where they're it's a bunch of crooks who have bonded together and they you know they help uh, people get back what somebody has taken away from them. I you know mm-hmm. I I guess I I I really have a Robin Hood. Um, <laughs> complex kind of a sensibility. Yeah, complex. Exactly. Kind of like, <laughs> we do it kids first, you know. It's uh, funny. very interesting. Okay, so when it comes to food, do you prefer sweet or salty? Salty. Hmm. What do you consider your most beautiful feature? Uh, I guess my in my um, who I am, my insides. Cool. And what is the best advice that your mama gave you? Um, that my can it be my father? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think the one that I found myself saying very frequently, my father was uh, was had a lot of pearls of wisdom, but one that I've been saying a lot recently to people is, uh, in matters of principle, stand like a rock. In matters of taste, swim like a fish. Love that. And that is perfect. That is perfect. I think that's a perfect way to... Um, to to close out the show today and your father is very very wise and I, I absolutely love that um, I think that again when we're when we are swimming through this through this huge ocean of entertainment that there are there are many different waterways to navigate and um, when it comes to protecting your children from 
the media and through the adverse effects that parents do have to stand true to to their principles and belief but somewhat be open to to the flexibility of what their children's perspectives are and what they are looking for in terms of connecting through film. I think entertainment is a way, is a modern ways, and I've said this before on the show, um, it's our modern version of storytelling, like the, the shaman sitting around the fire. It's a ways that we pass pass down and pass through wisdom. Even even something as text is going through now a medium of books that is still a form of entertainment. And our our innate need to connect and to and to empathize and to understand what's going on in the world around us is can be we can have the most powerful impact through Throwing, showing these worlds through film. And I, again, I just wanted to thank you, Rani, for the work that you and Kids First International are doing in the entertainment space around um, the media and children and guiding both kids and parents through this, this waterways of the entertainment space. Again, you can find Kids First at www.kidsfirst.org. Rani, thank you so much. Good luck with the the film critics camp and the contest and certainly come back and give us um give us an update and I look forward to to hearing and seeing how your organi- organization will continue to grow in its next next twenty years. <laughs> so <laughs> so thank thank you again so much for, for being here with us in the Mama's Pearls community. Thank you, Cynthia. I really appreciate the opportunity and, and love the work that you're doing. Your your writing is beautiful and insightful and uh i think the show is just fabulous thank you so much i I, that coming from you that's that's a huge badge of honor thank you thank (laughs) you so much so again everybody it's time where ranny and melissa and i we're all going to go back to our day jobs and making the world a better place one one film review at a time and um again you can listen to any of the past broadcasts and shows here at Mama's Pearls. Again, I would recommend that you go back into the archives. I believe it was in February when we had Kathy Pagano talking about In Tune um, at blogtalkradio.com slash Mama's Pearls. You can email Melissa or I. I'm at Cynthia at Mama's Pearls.com and Melissa at Mama's Pearls.com. You can find us at Twitter at Cintweet. Again, the blogs, both the MGEMS blog and the Mama's Mama's Pearls blog, and I don't know if Melissa's still Miss Melissa's still on or if she is back um, into our I'm work. I'm hanging in today. This you're is hanging so in, fascinating. You're in. I, I, I stuck around cool. today. That was a good time. <laughs> any any snippets or sneak peeks about, um, or can you tease do a little teaser tra- trailer for your M's gems this week? No, I think I have a lot of great gems that I'm going to take right from Randy that I can't even think on my own this week. Um, you know, an adult point of view is an adult point of view is one of my favorites. Um, and that can go not just in looking and discussing films with the kids, but when it comes to any perspective of what toys they should play with, who they, what they should do, what they should eat. So thanks, Randy. That was a great tip or gem. <laughs> I'm glad you like that, Melissa. Like that I was said, one of my tw- favorites. 20, that's one thing I've learned in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. An adult point of view is an adult point of view, and that's adult what it point is. Of view. And even even our point of view when we were children, it's still it's still skewed because we're still remembering it from our adult selves. And then but anywho, 
<laughs> anyway, back to the free to be you and me days. You know, kids are people too. <laughs> you know, they're entitled to their, their opinion as well. So absolutely, and, and so we need to look on that. It. Yeah, and best of luck on the critic review. I wish my kids were a little bit older so that they can participate because it sounds like such an interesting um, project. Well, this we're planning on this being an annual campaign, so. Couple more years, we'll be inside. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be a contributor. Couple more years, you'll have you'll have Nick and Nick and Ellie reporting. Um, yes, we'll, so. we'll be like the new we'll be like the new Rivers, Joan and Melissa Rivers. We'll be the Melissa and Ellie. <laughs> awesome, red carpet. That's great. I love it. I love it. And again, just thank you so much. This was this was awesome and and so informative. And I can and I'm sure we'll have many other shows where we're talking about our relationship with the media. But just tying it back to the beginning, how you were saying how it does relate to food and the media diet. Where we were talking last week about you know there are the general standards that are out there that are just across the board, and each family and each person has a responsibility to go in and decide for what is going to work for you and your family. So again, this is Cynthia of Mama's Pearls reminding you to enjoy your children, enjoy your family, say I love you. Remember that when you are experiencing film that there is so many emotions that are going to be captured and to not only enjoy the show but learn how to process and help your children filter what they're what they're seeing. Um, okay, so I bumped my doctor, my pediatrician for this week, so we can get Ranny in in to tell you about the kids the kids kids first. Um, uh, camp that's happening and the film critics contest and so my pediatrician will be on next week to help us all deal with our any sick kids so have a great week everybody thank you again Randy and Melissa have a great week bye 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 you too thank you bye bye